Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up on this edition, it's material from an international conversation with Nigel Fawcett-Jones of the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, which was dispatched to key locations in the United Kingdom to minister to those mourning the death of the late Queen Elizabeth. Also at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Summer 2022 Christian Product Expo in Lexington, Kentucky, Christian suspense writer Danny Petrie highlights how she weaves themes of hope and redemption into her novels and spotlights one of her most recent works. You'll be hearing from that conversation coming up. And on this edition of The Intersection, Justin Kendrick was involved in launching a church in New England over a decade ago, and it has grown to multiple locations. In a Meeting House conversation, he talked about the importance of community within a church body and how members can grow in relationship with each other. You will be hearing from that chat ahead. Finally, from the Summer 2022 Christian Product Expo in Lexington, Brian McIntosh, who has also been involved in pastoral ministry, shares his perspective on enjoying the abundant life that our Creator has created for us through Jesus. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Nigel Fawcett-Jones is the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team Manager and Assistant Head of Ministry in the United Kingdom. In a recent Meeting House conversation, he discussed the deployment of team chaplains to multiple locations throughout the UK to minister to those mourning the death, mourning the death of Queen Elizabeth. Nigel Fawcett-Jones serves as the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team Manager and Assistant Head of Ministry in the United Kingdom. In a recent Meeting House conversation, he discussed the deployment of team chaplains to multiple locations throughout the UK to minister to those mourning the death of Queen Elizabeth. Here now from that conversation is Nigel Fawcett-Jones. The locations uh, were places that Her Majesty spent a lot of time. Of course, uh, Buckingham Palace is perhaps the the most well-known. It's that focal point where so many tourists visit. Uh, But Holyrood uh, House Palace in Scotland um, was the place that she visited frequently as well. It's just a stone's throw away from the Scottish Parliament building. Uh, And Windsor was a a favourite royal palace to stay. She she chose to stay uh, more time in that royal palace than anywhere else, particularly towards the end of her life. She viewed that uh, as a home. I've heard it reported that she viewed Windsor as a home and Buckingham Palace as the office. Hmm. And so each of those lo- locations are significant uh, for people who want to gather and more. What I found absolutely unique uh, is because of the so many crowds outside Buckingham Palace. Hmm. Um, the Royal Parks, which surround the, uh, the, the Buckingham Palace there, just about every tree has a circle of flowers placed around it. And it is amazing to look at um, just the, the desire of people to come and place a, a bunch of flowers, pause and reflect uh, upon the life of the Queen. Absolutely amazing. And it's often in those places uh, where our chaplains have those unique conversations to stand alongside people. Uh, we call it a ministry of presence so that whatever moment they're going through, we recognize that they need that personal time, that space. But often people want to talk as well. They want to tell their story of their uh, memories of the Queen, or perhaps as well, particularly coming out of the pandemic with the challenges of 
war in Europe with uh, financial instability and rising energy costs. People have so many different aspects of, of grief and trauma within their lives. People are finding this a, a conduit for sharing where they're at in life. And it's a wholly appropriate ministry to have people there to provide both that emotional and spiritual support. Well, and what is remarkable, and you've touched on it already in our conversation, is the fact that most of the people, the overwhelming majority of those who are paying tribute to the Queen in the aftermath of her death, do not know her personally, but yet I think that they feel like that they did know her. As you mentioned, there was a connection with her. And so you have people, as you mentioned, that are experiencing grief, this sense of loss, even trauma in the aftermath of this event. So as people tell their stories and as they talk to you, what is your approach as you respond? I train many of our chaplains ourselves, and one of the key uh, parts of our ministry is effective listening. We we encourage our chaplains to listen to people's stories, to hear where they are at. We recognize as well that uh, the Queen's death will have been a trigger for memories of their own loss, whether it be mm. recent or whether it be some time ago. Um, so one of the key aspects is that effective listening, to hear their story, to let them tell their story, and then to empathize with their story, not to to pass judgment or to compare stories, but to stand with them in that moment. And often, uniquely, because the Holy Spirit works that way, we find that the, the chaplain actually has some kind of connection with that. They may have experienced the same traumatic event, so they can really emphasize, empathize with those people that were stood with. Again, one of one of our ways that we do that is relying on the Holy Spirit to draw us alongside those people that He has called us uh, to speak with. Uh, out of the the many tens of thousands that are people in London, here in London or at Windsor, uh, we know that there will be specific people that God has. Uh, call to have a conversation with the chapel. Nigel Fawcett-Jones here on The Intersection. You can learn more about the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team by going to rrt.billygram.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Christian Suspense author Danny Petrie. At the Summer 2022 Christian Product Expo in Lexington, Kentucky, she discussed her approach to the subject matter and how she integrates a Christian faith element into the story. She discussed The Deadly Shallows, which is book three in the Coastal Guardian series. From that Meeting House conversation at the CPE event, this is Danny Petrie. I have always loved mysteries. I read um, Murder on the Orient Express when I was, I think, eight and I've been hooked on whodunits ever since. Um, I happen to be um, in love with history, and so when I first started thinking I would write a novel, I actually went with Regency set, and I wrote it, and I, I just didn't feel right, and so I actually took a year off and prayed over it, um, and thought, I'm just gonna pray till God tells me what to write, and the whole idea for uh, romantic adventure, romantic suspense, um, all came to me and I knew that's kind of what I was supposed to be writing. So um, that's what I dove into. Um, it is definitely interesting or unique coming at it from a Christian worldview. Uh, a lot of suspense, uh, 
obviously focuses on crimes and criminals and there's a delicate balance because you want to show the suspense but as a Christian author I definitely am not going to put anything in my books I wouldn't want to read mm -hmm. or I wouldn't want a teenage girl to read um, and so it's finding the way to describe the crimes and what would normally be written in a secular book with language or graphic violence and all of that, I don't do that. So you'll understand what happens to somebody to a limited uh, like part, but you will not uh, see the actual event happening. And there does seem to be, when you write in this genre, I would think that obviously as a Christian, mm -hmm. you see light. Yes. You see God's truth but you also see darkness yes. and you see the way that darkness operates. Obviously that's gotta be a component yes. of, the, of the book, but it seems like that you would have a, a greater understanding around mm -hmm. you know, how these things operate. Yes, uh, it, it's really been interesting, especially through research um, and talking with uh, people that are you know, police officers, forensic anthropologists, and really talking to them about the darkness they see mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Um, and the police officer that reads all my books is a Christian. And so I really had a good talk with him about how he, how he deals with that. And so it is interesting. People have asked me about that. You know, are you sure, are you comfortable going with the darkness? And I always say sometimes to see the light, you have to show the darkness and the light shines brighter. Danny Patry is joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio. It is the Summer 2022 Christian Product Expo in Lexington, Kentucky. Well, your latest novel yes. is called The Deadly Shallows. It's part of a series that has three installments, and this is the third and the final book in the series. It's called The Coastal Guardians series. Mm -hmm. So what inspired you? In, uh, in, in putting this series together? Uh, that's a great question. We were actually visiting Wilmington, North Carolina. We travel down there a lot. And uh, we happened to drive by the Coast Guard base, and I knew I was going to be writing a new series. I wasn't sure what it would be about. And I thought, you know, a lot of books are written about military. My husband was in the Navy. But not a lot on the Coast Guard. And I thought, you know, I want to make something a little different than just... Uh, somebody in the Coast Guard. So I did research and I found Coast Guard Investigative Service and I thought, ooh, that's intriguing. And it went from there. Danny Petri here on the intersection. Her website address is Danny, D A N I, Petri, P E T T R E Y dot com. Well, you are listening to the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You will find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the Intersection Podcast, to the Media Center, and its Apple Podcast feed. Plus, you can find links to video content, and there are two blogs that are accessible from the homepage. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter at Access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. 
Content from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app at a variety of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other platforms. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast. Moving on now with this edition of The Intersection, it's Justin Kendrick. He serves as lead pastor of Box Church, which is based in New Haven, Connecticut, and meets at a variety of locations. In our recent conversation, he discussed dynamics of the Christian community as he relates in the book, The Sacred Us, A Call to Radical Christian Community. Here now from that conversation is Justin Kendrick. You know, I think obviously we're living in a time that is more individualistic and more isolated than ever, right? And so uh, I would say that's probably increased in the northeast corner of the United States. So from New York to Boston, you know, you've got the most hard-driving, fast-paced, individualistic-minded people on the planet, probably. And, uh, and so that's the culture we've grown up in. And of course, oftentimes with the things of the Lord, it takes a radical departure from that for really an awakening to occur, you know. And so when we started our church 11 years ago, we decided from the beginning we were going to really experiment with authentic Christian community in ways that were uncomfortable. And so my wife and I bought a house. Uh, we had a, a couple friends that were that rented rooms from us. Uh, some of the other people in our church bought the house next to us, and then the house next to them, and then the house behind them. The church actually started over the course of right in the middle of an urban center, right in the middle of the city of New Haven, uh, 13 different houses, all owned by different people, but together doing community and figuring out what does it mean to be accessible to one another. Yeah, we have our own families. We have our own homes. We're responsible for our own bills, absolutely. But there was this Acts chapter 2 experiment to say, listen, what does it mean to just open our lives? What does it mean to actually do community together, be available to one another, change the rhythms of our life so it's not so fast-paced, disconnected, isolated, but it's rather hospitable, open, and willing to flex for the sake of other people. And so the church actually started with, we used to call it, we used to joke and call it the, the cul-de-sac because it was a little cul-de-sac, but people <laughs> thought we were crazy, you know? And uh, we're, we're Orthodox Christians. We don't think everybody needs to live in a you know, commune or anything like that by any means. But we said, listen, if we're going to preach this, we want to live this. And, uh, and so that was the beginning of our, of our church. And similar to what we see in, you know, uh, in the New Testament, where what started in Jerusalem kind of expands all over Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, what started in New Haven with 13, 14 houses, then some went out to Hartford, and some went out to Stanford, and some went out to Worcester, Mass., and some went out to Springfield. And now we have these little pockets that are growing in each of uh, the urban centers across New England. Well, you just described a scenario that, as I would see it, ties into one of seven Bible-based principles that you include in the book, The Sacred Us, and that is proximity that provides opportunity. So you're talking about physical proximity to one another. So how do you preserve that, especially in a multi-site church with a a number of people that are attending the church each week? Some might even call you a mega church. So how do you provide that sense of proximity in a church that is large and growing? That's right. Yeah. So, you know, it's always this idea that small is the new big, right? So we've, <laughs> we've been through the era of the megachurch for the last 50 or so years in American history where churches grow to thousands and thousands. And we have a, a very, very large church. But the goal of that church 
is to always stay small. And so we can't know everyone. We know that, right? That's not possible. It's not realistic. But we need to know some. And so at our church, we structure that really intentionally. But the first thing is you have to actually value that, right? If you only want the large experience where you come in, hear a compelling message, sing some wonderful songs, and leave, that's not church. That's a part of church. But church itself is the family of God. It's the community of believers. It's accountability within that context. And so it means that you have to be known and you have to build authentic relationships. So this idea of proximity that provides opportunity is simply the idea, and that's the first principle I talk about of the seven principles that help grow healthy community, is that you have to actually make space and time to be seen, right? Mm. Not just to come in and out, but to actually be seen. So you know, at our church, we do this through our small groups and then through what we call core groups, which are even smaller groups. So we have groups of four to five. Those are the core groups. And then we have groups of 10 to 20. Those are our community groups. And then we have our large gatherings, which are great. Every week we're doing that. But that's not the cadence that the New Testament church at, right? It says day by day they met together in people's homes, breaking bread. So our attitude is, listen, we understand in the speed of the American lifestyle is it realistic for us to meet daily? Maybe not, but it should be more than once a week that we should have a regular contact, a cadence where we build our lives around the community of faith. And, uh, and that is where opportunity for miracles, for growth really happen. Justin Kendrick here on The Intersection. The book website is thesacredus.com. You can learn more about the church through Vox, V-O-X, church.org. Well, finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Brian McIntosh. He has served in pastoral ministry and as a college adjunct professor at the Summer 2022 Christian Product Expo in Lexington. He provided insight into redemption through Christ and how Christians can live that out in their everyday lives, upon which he elaborates in the book called Made for Eden, Promises and Provisions for the Life God Created You to Live. From that CPE conversation, this is Brian McIntosh now. My doctoral dissertation was very much a uh, intertestamental work, trying to to unify Old and New Testaments. So I've, I've always had a heart for that. Uh, but I, so I began to see the parallels between uh, Revelation and Genesis, particularly mm. about uh, the new heaven and new earth and the presence of of a garden and of a tree of life uh, to which we will have access. And you see, after Adam and Eve's sin. They are, they are barred from the garden. Literally, an angel guards the edge of, of Eden and, and keeps them out. Um, and, and I began to think, well, it says in Revelation that the angels will welcome us to that tree of life. So what, wouldn't it be great of God if that were even the same angels that had to be stationed, same cherubs, you know, that are later welcoming us in? So, you know, it was motivated by what is the uniqueness of the work of Christ. Uh, and I would contend that he... You know, he brought, through reconciliation, brought us back into the relationship with the Father that was intended in Eden, that intimacy of presence uh, that, that's empowering. And, and that we also uh, receive back the authority that was given, mm-hmm. you know, that, that mandate to be fruitful and multiply and rule the earth and to be stewards of all that he created. Uh, and so it looked at the different New Testament identities that I think parallel stewardship, such as ambassadors in Second Corinthians 5 and uh, you know, a holy people in First Peter, those, those types of identities that I think flesh out this new opportunity to live from our original mandate. Well, I want to 
operate here in our conversation on a couple of different levels, and I'm actually going to go in reverse order because I love what you were saying about the parallels between the narrative we find in Genesis right. with respect to the Garden of Eden and the narrative we find in the book of Revelation. So I want to talk about the future and the future restoration, the, the garden, the new heavens and the new earth. Right. But I also want to talk about how we can walk in a, in a measure of what Adam and Eve experienced in the garden, even right. now through Christ. So let's talk about the future. What do you see as some of the, the parallels between mm -hmm. the stories that we find or the, the images that we find in Genesis and Revelation? Hmm. I think uh, the view of God is an important one. I, ultimately, you know, Adam and Eve sinned out of uh, lacking trust that that God had said what he said, you know, they yeah. fell to a temptation. And so, you know, so much of the imagery in Revelation is just of the gloriousness of, uh, of the future, you know, this, this God who rescues and, you know, has uh, people of all uh, tribes and tongues and people and nations, you know, just so that, that parallel. Uh, also, just the, the perfection that we see, you know, he says there'll be no more crying or no more pain. Uh, you know, you look back, I, I I believe as we read, you know, when God brought the judgment upon Adam and Eve and said, you will have to toil the ground and there'll be chain, pain in childbirth, you know, that that implied, well, you know, the things that were going to be provided for them in the garden, you know, they weren't going to have to toil mm -hmm. to, to receive their provision. And, and certainly the, the pictures of heaven we are that, you know, we will enjoy his presence and, and uh, it, it will not. Uh, you know, look like this this laborious life we sometimes have here. So, so those were some of the parallels. Um, but I'm I am with you about uh, you know just what this means for uh, the life of a believer. Because as you said, there are so many in the culture who would say I'm I'm a good person. But even those uh, in the in the body would say, well, I'm just holding on until heaven. And so. What I feel the book is about is taking up that original mandate. Mm. You know, certainly it, it's going to be glorious when we're in his presence bodily, but uh, we have something to do while we're here until that return. Brian McIntosh here on The Intersection. You can find out more online at madeforeden.org. We're nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You will find a link to the Media Center through that homepage. That is the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast and The Meeting House program. You can also find links to the Intersection podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple podcast feed. You can also find links to video content. Plus, there are links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.